right now, at this very moment, as I speak, multiplied millions of people around the world are caught up in what the Word of God calls the great falling away or great apostasy. You and I are living in it right now. The collective church and myriad purporting quote-unquote Christians desperately need to be shaken out of its, their, spiritual slumber to the irrefutable reality that we are right now in the year 2018 in the very midst of the greatest time of apostasy and falling away from the true God and His truth in human history. Doctrinal deviation, degeneration, and denigration is a perilous path leading not to genuine unity of the Spirit as posited by its propagators, but rather disunity with the Holy Spirit. It leads to apostasy, perdition, and ultimately hell itself. Stay tuned as I begin to unpack, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, the real truth about the perilous path of doctrinal deviation. Welcome to The Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal, affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, the subject of today's program is one of the most serious and somber topics we could possibly address. Right now, at this very moment, as I speak, multiplied millions of people around the world are caught up in what Jesus himself, along with the New Testament writers, prophesied and predicted would be a great falling away or apostasy. The collective church and myriad individual purporting quote-unquote Christians desperately need to be shaken out of its, their, spiritual lethargy and slumber to the reality that we are right now in the year 2018 in the very midst of the greatest time of apostasy and falling away in human history from the genuine faith elucidated in the Bible. While the collective church experienced what theologians and church historians have identified as a massive corporate falling away or apostasy during what is known as the Dark Ages, and that certainly was true, Nevertheless, the Word of God 
categorically identifies a great falling away or great apostasy that will transpire in the very last days just prior to the catching up or rapture of the genuine church Jesus is building, which event shall be followed immediately by the revelation and activation, if you will, of the ultimate Antichrist, who will be the devil incarnate and who will orchestrate apocalyptic destructions upon the earth and, quote, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God, end quote. 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. The revelation or unveiling of the Antichrist has not yet occurred, but it certainly is only moments away on the clock of end times events. The Apostle Paul prophesied of this great falling away or apostasy in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 in his prophetic delineation of the last day's events, wherein referring to, quote, the day of the Lord, end quote, which is the day of the judgment of Christ upon the unbelieving world, he stated, quote, let no one in any way deceive you, for it, that is, the day of the Lord, will not come unless, or until, the apostasy, NASB, or falling away, it says in the King James Version, comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, meaning the Antichrist, end quote. So he is saying that the great apostasy will precede the revelation of the ultimate Antichrist, who has not yet, in this hour in which we are living, been revealed as the Antichrist, though the man who will one day assume that role as the devil himself comes to possess him is almost certainly alive at this very moment here as I speak. Millions of those claiming to be Christians in America and other nations around the world are really nothing but what could be called senos, Christians in name only. They claim to be worshipers and followers of Jesus, but the quote-unquote Jesus they are worshiping and following is not the Jesus of the Bible the genuine Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and God the Son, the second member of the Godhead, but rather a counterfeit, a religious idol that is in reality a demon named Jesus, masquerading as the genuine Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 8, 4, the Apostle Paul said, quote, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, end quote. But rather, what is behind idols or false objects of worship and veneration is really demons. There is a demonic power and perhaps a principality 
that is being worshipped by multitudes today throughout the world that is not the real Jesus Christ, who was the Word of God made flesh, God in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, who cast aside his deity in order to take on the appearance of a man, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2.8, and humbled himself, even under the point of death, even death on a cross, who miraculously arose from the dead, and who ascended into heaven on the day of the ascension from the Mount of Ascension, which moment Luke described thusly, quote, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight, end quote, Acts 1.9, and subsequently sat down, at the right hand of God, reclaiming His throne of dominion and sovereignty. You're listening to The Real Truth Podcast. Other episodes of the podcast can be found at realtruthradio.com. Now, I want to talk to you about strong delusion. Strong delusion. Trifling with the truth is a grave and even dangerous thing. Personally, I am always wary of individuals who in any way devalue the importance of pursuing the truth and being established in sound doctrine. And again, I reemphasize that when I speak of sound doctrine, I am not referring to academic, abstract, intellectual, theological superfluities, but rather foundational, pragmatic teaching from the Word of God, by which one patterns his thinking and conduct in practical God-centered living. Believers not only should not be demeaning or denigrating the truth, but to the contrary, we should have a genuine love for the truth, a love that compels us to have a reverent respect for and desire to pursue and preserve the truth. There is a true axiom that those things that we properly respect and cherish have a way of gravitating toward us. And those things which we do not seem invariably to gravitate away from us. The matter of the truth is no exception. It has been my studied observation over the years that those who are the most established in the word of truth are those who have an intense love, respect, and desire for the truth. As I have mentioned elsewhere in this teaching, truth is a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. The more we draw near to him by earnestly loving, honoring, and desiring him, the more he draws near to us. See James 4, 8. 
One of the biggest problems with devaluing doctrine and trifling with the truth, as some people feel is necessary in order to avoid becoming what they regard to be quote-unquote too intellectual or unspiritual, is where do you draw the line? I mean, is there really such a thing as too much truth or too much teaching of the truth? Personally, I cannot conceive of how that could be possible. But if it was, how do we know what is too much? One thing I do know, I'd rather have too much than too little. As I said at the outset of this portion of this teaching, trifling with the truth is a grave and even dangerous thing, and I am always very wary of individuals who devalue and demean the importance of pursuing and living by sound teaching or doctrine. This is far from being merely a personal opinion or judgmental attitude. Rather, it is predicated on the opinion and attitude of God as expressed in his word, wherein he testifies that he himself sends strong delusion upon those who demonstrate a persistent lack of love of the truth, which will cause them to believe what is false. That's what it says. It will cause them to believe what is false if they have a lack of love of the truth. Oh, yes, that's what it says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12. Listen to this. And then that lawless one, the Antichrist is referring to here, will be revealed. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And for this reason, God, and notice what it says, God, not the devil, God, will send upon them a deluding influence. Or King James says, strong delusion, strong delusion, so that they might believe what is false? God will make them believe something. But what they're going to believe is what is false. In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Wow, now remember this is the word of God. Every word, according to 2 Timothy 3.16, is God-breathed, God-inspired. It came from God, not the writers, and not their intellect, not their mind, not their understanding, not their desires, but this came from God himself. They were speaking prophetically when they penned these words or when they spoke these words that were penned.
Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? Time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if He would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLMINC to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. This passage that I just read, 2 Thessalonians 2, 8-12, reveals a number of things. One It indicates in no uncertain terms that without proper respect and regard for the truth, what is termed here as the love of the truth, a person simply cannot be saved. That's what it says. A person simply cannot be saved. Remember, the root Greek word for the word saved, translated as saved in many places in the New Testament by the translators, that root Greek word is sozo, S-O-Z-O, which means saved, sanctified, made holy, made whole, restored, etc. Now, a person who denigrates and demeans doctrine just cannot be wholly saved or sanctified, spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Something has to be unrenewed in one of those parts of his being. If he is genuinely saved in his spirit, then the sanctification of his soul, which is made up of the mind, will, and emotions, what a person thinks, what they want, and what they feel, definitely has to be incomplete. Now, the second thing we see in unmistakable terms in this passage is that denigrating or degrading the truth will eventually end in delusion, deception. For God himself will send, God himself will send a deluding influence or strong delusion upon those who trifle with the truth. Now, this will not be the work of the devil. It will not be the work of the devil, but rather this passage clearly says that it will be God himself who will send the deceiving or deluding influence. Now, that's a sober word there. It almost sounds evil and cruel, that God would do such a thing. 
But we know that God has no part in evil. It tells us that in James 1.13. It is the same in this case as it is with all judgment that comes to people. It is not God who has brought it on them, but rather they bring it on themselves by violating his order and ordinances. If a person jumps off the top of a building, it's not God's fault if he hurts or kills himself. He brought the result on himself. You know, God will not strive with people forever. The Bible tells us that. There will come a time when God will send upon people a superabundance of the very thing they have been ceaselessly dealing in. In this case, it is deception. If you do not eventually receive the love of the truth so as to be sanctified by it, spirit, soul, and body, God will send upon you a deluding influence that will cause you to be hopelessly and helplessly seared over in your own conscience as with a branding iron. 1 Timothy 4.2 You will wholeheartedly believe you are pursuing and believing the truth, but it is in actuality the lies of the devil, doctrines of devils, propagated by deceitful spirits that you are so earnestly and adamantly believing. Again, that's 1 Timothy 4.1. Sadly, though this passage speaks of the final great apostasy that will occur during the Great Tribulation when the Antichrist has been revealed, I am convinced this is not something that will happen only then but that God has already given some people over to reveling in their deceptions, 1 Peter 2.13. I have personally seen many people, both in the church and out, to whom this has happened. Certainly the veracity of this should not be a question to us, since Paul, Peter, and Jude all spoke in their writings of such people to whom this had already occurred back in their day in the early church history. As I've often said, the problem with deception or delusion is that the person who is deceived is deceived about being deceived. His deception prevents him from knowing he is deceived. Such will be the case with this deluding influence that God will send. Once it has come upon people, they will be forever deceived. Their relentless lack of affinity for the truth of God will be regarded and rewarded as an affinity for the lies of the devil. They will finally receive their just deserts. Indeed, the very hypothesis that the power of God can somehow be stifled by sound doctrine is itself ludicrous delusion of the highest order. Scripture declares the Word of God is the power of God. 
It says, for the word, the rhema of the cross is the power or dunamis of God. 1 Corinthians 1.8 and compare it also with Romans 1.16. The same import is expressed in Hebrews 1.3, which invokes the phrase, the word, rhema, of his power or dunamis. Now, it is important to note two things about this phrase. First, the term translated word is rhema, which is God's vivified or spoken word, as opposed to the graphe, the written or non-verbalized word, which in itself, in that form, is inanimate and has no efficacy or power. The word must be spoken i.e. verbalized, in order for its power to be operating, which is the reason, for example, people can have a huge family Bible displayed prominently on their living room table, yet have none of its power effectual in their lives. Now, the second important thing about this passage is that it does not say the power of his word, though that would be a truism as well, for God's word certainly does have power. Rather, the actual phrasing is evoking an even stronger import that all of God's power is inherent in his rhema word, that is, his active, living, verbalized word. How true and consistent that is with the rest of Scripture. In the creation, we see that God literally spoke the world into existence. God's creative dunamis power was unleashed and activated when he vocalized his word. It did not return unto him void, but accomplished his desire, the purpose for which it was sent. See that in Isaiah 55, 11. After the creation of man... Over and over again throughout Scripture, we see God putting his word slash will, and his word is his will, and his will is his word, into the mouths of human surrogate spokesmen and compelling them to vocalize it in order to effect his purposes. God always speaks whatever he desires or wills, to transpire. The Word of God and the power of God certainly are not counterposing or contradictory forces. Anything that is a true operation of the Spirit and power of God will always be in complete agreement and harmony with the Word of God. Thus, the unequivocal fact that all of God's dunamis power is contained in and effectuated through his spoken word, and that these two forces concur and work together in tandem, renders absurd and impossible the notion that the word of truth, or rightly dividing it to formulate and prove sound doctrine, could somehow hinder or negate the effectuality or operation of the power or spirit of God. If anything, 
The obverse of this notion is true. The more congruously with the Word of God we are living and operating, the more of the power of God will be available to us to operate. Compare that with Revelation 3.8. Basically says that. Dunamis power is effectuated and activated by means of the rhema, alive, spoken, Word of God. The true gospel does not come in word, logos, only, but also in power, dunamis, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, 1 Thessalonians 1.5. The true gospel is a full gospel, a gospel full of the Spirit and power of God, because The kingdom of God does not consist in words, logos, only, but in power, dunamis. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.